0: All right, uh, I have here a copy of uh, C.S. Lewis's novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia. How many of you have either read the book or you've seen one of the movies or anything about it? Oh yeah, most of you, very good. Uh, anyway, there's a scene in here that I want to share with you. Um, it's where Lucy and Susan are in the land of Narnia and they're talking, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are telling them about Aslan. And Lucy asks, is is he a man? Aslan a man, said Mr. Beaver. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there is anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're just either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. This is week two of our three-week series called God is Good. Uh, Now, life isn't always good. Life can be unfair and can have pain and tragedy and injustice, but one thing remains, one thing we believe, God is good. Uh, last Sunday, I encouraged everyone to join me in reading Psalm 103 out loud every day last week. And, uh, you know, as I look back there, you know, I tried to do that. I think I did that anyway. I, one morning, I read it to Trish at breakfast time. Uh, on Thursdays the guys in my faith walk group meet and we all read it out loud in unison together uh, by the way uh, we're started putting the psalm for each week of this series on our faith Westwood app so if you have the app then you can just look it right up and I found out this morning in order for it to change from one Psalm 103 to Psalm 33 for today I had to kind of swipe it out and close it and then reopen it but anyway that's how I did it Uh, now there is also a verse for the month that I'm hoping you 'll kind of keep track of and recite throughout the month it's Psalm 103 verse 8 we'll pop it up here on the screen and let's say that together the Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in love you know that's the kind of God I want everybody to know right the Lord who is compassionate, the Lord who is gracious, the Lord who is slow to anger, the Lord who is abounding in love. Now, if you didn't do, weren't here maybe last week or didn't do it, I would encourage you this week. There are index cards in the pew rack. What those are for is just this. Pull one out and copy this verse down. That way you can take it home. You can kind of have it before you wherever you stick it, and I hope that you'll learn to say it by heart it's really easy it's one of the easiest verses you'll ever learn and it's all about the goodness of god of course i could i could appreciate it if you have some doubts about if god is good Uh, maybe you've read parts of the bible that make it hard to believe that god is good for example, I mean, you read the book of Joshua. It's, it's all about how God is sending the Israelites into Canaan to, to go and attack everybody and kill everybody and take over their land. Sounds, sounds more like ISIS than Jesus. Huh? If God is good, why would he tell them to do that? Well, you know, I've heard a lot of explanations and rationalizations by Christians through the years, and I've pretty much a lot of them are completely inadequate to me. But there is a conclusion that I have reached, and others have reached as well, and I alluded to it last week. I believe that God wanted to give His chosen people the land of Canaan, to, to let them move there, and if they had really known the character of God, If they had really known God, they would have realized they don't have to attack and kill to do it. God would have found some other way to bring them in. But the Israelites were a violent, vengeful people during a violent, vengeful time, and I believe that Israel's attack on the Canaanites had a lot more to do with them than God. It's like Jesus said, their hearts were hard. You know where that's found? It's in Matthew 19, uh, where Jesus' adversaries test him about, the, about a question on divorce, and they ask, is it okay, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for whatever reason he wants to? I mean, just kind of like, she burned the toast. All right, just divorce, you know. So, so Jesus takes them back to Genesis how God created us male and female, how a man leaves his father and mother is united to his wife and the two become one flesh. God says, you know, that's the picture you should be looking at. Divorce is not God's ultimate for humanity. Now, now of course, Jesus, both Jesus and Paul make allowances for divorce, but they recognize that it's not God's best for us. Anyway, Jesus' adversaries then say, well, then why did did God give us a commandment saying it's okay to divorce? And Jesus says, it's because your hearts were hard. Now, what does that mean, your hearts were hard? It means they were resistant, they were stubborn, they were defiant, and they weren't ready to hear the whole truth of God. You know, I, I think about that, and I think that could explain a whole lot about the Old Testament. It could explain the Israelites attacking uh, Canaanites. It could explain polygamy in the Old Testament. It could explain slavery laws in the Old Testament. It's because their hearts were hard. So whenever the Old Testament so, so blatantly doesn't match up with Jesus in the New Testament, I have to at least ask the question, is it because... Their hearts were hard, and they weren't ready to hear it. And, and and sometimes I recognize our hearts are hard. You know, we are resistant, we're defiant, we're stubborn, we're not ready to hear the whole truth. But God is in the business of softening hearts. Did you know that? I listened to. Uh, president obama's address at the memorial service in dallas this last week and he quoted a verse from ezekiel it's in the old testament god says i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh So God was promising to replace our hardened hearts. God promises to to transform our attitudes and our desires and our motives. And once you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and, and begins doing that. I mean, we still have a lot of hardness in our hearts, but God is doing deep work. He's giving you a changing your heart to become receptive and humble and good now today is part of, of understanding that God is good. Today we're going to look at how the unfailing love of the Lord. You know, earlier we looked at that, the theme verse, Psalm 103, verse 8. Uh, do you remember the last word of it? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in what? Love, right. Now the word love here is a translation of a powerful word in the Hebrew, the word chesed. And the Jewish way to say it, you've got to kind of clear your throat a little bit. Chesed. Just don't get anything on anybody in front of you, right? All right. and uh, Now, chesed is not easy to translate into English because we don't have really a word that matches it. But it's important to learn what it means if we're going to grasp the goodness of God. So to, to understand Hesed, I want to share with you three short stories, right? Number, story number one. And you got to back up way to the early part of the second millennium BC, Jacob and his family moved to Egypt because of a famine. You know, they're starving, they have to go find food. And when they show up in Egypt, they discover that Jacob's long-lost son Joseph is, voila, the prime minister of Egypt. God is good, right? After 17 years there, the elderly Jacob asks Joseph to make him a promise. Jacob leans on his staff and says, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me hesed and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. Now, the part about put your hand under my thigh seems kind of weird, doesn't it? (laughs) But it's some kind of ancient ritual when you're making a solemn oath or a covenant promise. And the idea here of Hesed is that Jacob is asking his son to be loyal. Be loyal to me. Be loyal to this covenant promise. Now, the NIV, the New International Version, translates, in this case, it translates Hesed as kindness. But it's a much bigger, richer word than that. It's about loyalty to the covenant story number two centuries later uh, during another famine Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons leave their home in Bethlehem and migrate to the country of Moab and their sons marry Moabite women then Elimelech dies and then both of their sons die say so Naomi is left with only her two daughters-in-law Orpah and Ruth So Naomi makes plans. She's going to return home to Bethlehem and she urges Orpah and Ruth, just go back home. She says, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you Hesed as you have shown Hesed to your dead husbands and to me. She says, you've been loyal to your covenant to to each of you, to your husband. Now may the Lord show you that same kind of loyalty. Well, Orpah, takes Naomi's advice, and goes home to mom. But Ruth shows Hesed beyond the call of duty and stays with Naomi. Later, Ruth is praised for extreme Hesed by marrying a relative of her deceased husband. That way, according to their laws, her first child becomes his legal heir. So again, wow, she is showing loyalty to that covenant. Story number three, centuries later, Hosea is a prophet, and God tells Hosea to uh, go out and marry a promiscuous woman named Gomer, and they get, they get married, uh, and as could be expected, Gomer strays. She's unfaithful. She even prostitutes herself. She, she bears children who don't belong to, to, to Hosea. Finally, Gomer just takes off. She leaves. She, the, the marriage is over. And Hosea says to Israel, This is how you have been with God. You have chased after other gods like lovers. Even though God has been faithful to you, you abandoned him and he let you go. Yet even then, he provided for you. And then comes the shocking part of, of the story. God tells Hosea to go out and win back his unfaithful wife. Hosea searches all over for her and he finds her finally. She's a slave, probably because of debt and he buys her back Um, interestingly the asking price uh, is lower than expected so apparently her owner doesn't think she's worth much (laughs) but but Hosea buys her back and she comes home not to be a slave but to be his bride and Hosea says it's the same with Israel after prostituting themselves to other gods, God says, I am now going to allure her. Isn't that cool? He's courting her. God says, I am now going to allure her and speak tenderly to her. God says, I will betroth you in righteousness and justice in hesed and compassion. God's saying, I will be loyal to my covenant with you even though you have not been loyal to me. That is Hesed. Please open your Bibles, will you, to uh, Psalm 33. If you brought your Bible, great. There's also Bibles in the pew rack in front of you. You'll find it on page 553 there. And if you don't own a Bible, then just take the pew Bible home, but we would love to have it be your gift. You can have it for keeps. Now, my plan this week is to do what I did last week, and that is read this psalm every day out loud uh, for these seven days. I timed it yesterday. It takes less than two and a half minutes, uh, and I hope you'll do the same. I hope you've got two and a half minutes somewhere you can squeeze in to do that. Uh, you know, those of us who are on social me- media, we find that, I mean, you can burn up 20 minutes without blinking, right? And for me, that's really something, <laughs> But anyway, uh, you could read it maybe while you're feeding the baby. Or you could read it while you're waiting for your Pop-Tart to pop out of the toaster. You could keep a Bible in your bathroom. It's not a bad idea. If you read it out loud every day, I believe you're going to be amazed at the end of the week how God begins to speak to you through it. Okay, let's read verses 1 through 3 which is really kind of the call to worship of the psalm? All right, ready? Let's go. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. And why do we sing and shout and play? Because God is good. That's what the rest of the psalm is about. Verses 4 and 5 tell us that God is worthy of our praises. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The earth is full of his chesed. Now, I've come up with an expanded translation of hesed that has nine adjectives. So it's way too long to be used in the Bible, but it it gives us a sense of the weight that the word hesed carries when it's used to describe God. So here it is. It's the loyal, merciful, faithful, pursuing, persistent, steadfast, covenant-keeping, enduring, unfailing love of God. I mean, you about run out of breath. But anyway, I'm going to ask you to take a big, deep breath, and let's say it together, okay? It's the loyal, merciful, faithful, pursuing, persistent, steadfast, covenant-keeping, enduring, unfailing love of God. And hesed is love in action. It's not just sentimental. It is love in action. For example, Hosea uh, goes out and buys Gomer from slavery to be his bride. It's loyal, merciful, faithful, pursuing, persistent, steadfast, covenant-keeping, enduring, unfailing love of God in action. You know, so much of the Old Testament is a history of the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel. You know, I think that to me is one of the the things about the Old Testament and really the Bible in general that that makes it so authentic I mean who would keep a history around that that shows your people being so terrible you know if it hadn't happened that but it but it tells a story about how their hearts were hard they they turned the worship of God into this little religious duty and in the meantime they they were not showing compassion or or justice to one another but all these centuries of dismal failure only show by contrast the wonderful beautiful love of God when we were none of these nine things God remains all of these nine things The Bible says that when we were lost sinners, God's love did not give up. Because of his unfailing love, God took action. He sent his his son. Out of his unfailing love, Jesus received a death he didn't deserve so we could receive a life we didn't deserve. Folks, there is a love ...that will see you through rocky times. There is a love that will hold on to you through your failures. There is a love that is steadfast when you are up and down and inconsistent. There is a love that will endure when you have given up. There is a love that will keep its promises when you have not kept yours. There is a love that has hope in you when you have given up hope in yourself. At my previous church in uh, Lincoln, I was, I was there 14 years. I was the founding pastor of that church and in the last six years or so, um, we were in our, the church's first building And uh, the congregation didn't kind of just take off in growth when we moved into the new building like I had hoped. I was a little disappointed about that. But a lot of things were going well. Um, But I can also tell you it was a really challenging time. Uh, There were staffing issues. There were financial issues. And no matter how hard I worked and how long I worked, it just seemed like I could never keep up with all that I felt I had to do. And uh, some days, I, I mean, I remember—I had days where I just wondered if, if God was still with me in this. Anyway, the, ter- the church building was surrounded by an alfalfa field, and so many uh, weekday mornings and Sunday mornings, I'd pull into the parking lot, get out of my car, and I would hear the song of a meadowlark. Do you know what that sounds like? It's just, to me, it's one of the most beautiful sounds in the world. Go to YouTube. You can can see some examples there. Uh, But so many mornings, these these yellow-breasted wonders would would sometimes just be perched right on the peak of of the church building, just singing its heart out. Now, maybe you think this is a little weird but I began to take this as a sign from God that he was still with me so many times when I was afraid or discouraged or tired or worried and I would hear that that, that song that unmistakable song and I remember it would remind me that God is with me and he's loyal and he keeps his promises and his love never fails anyway when I we moved to Omaha I knew one of the things that I was going to miss was going to be hearing the meadowlark and hearing that little kind of reminder from God because you know hearing this, this meadowlarks don't like being in the city they you know they like open country and we were kind of fortunate to get it on the edge of town in Lincoln but anyway so six years ago in June uh, we moved to Omaha. It was a Saturday. And I remember the following Monday, uh, Trish went to work and I stayed home to keep unpacking. And at one point during the day, I just decided to, to leave the house and go out for a walk and pray. And so I kind of just headed south from our house and, and, you know, really not knowing where I would, you know, what I would find because we're new. And so I walked and then we crossed Giles Road. And then I, I came upon uh, Upchurch Elementary S- School. And I, you know, kind of left the song. Well, this is kind of neat. And then I turned around to start heading back home. And just as soon as I turned around to walk around, I heard something over my left shoulder. It was the song of a meadowlark singing. And I turned around. I could never see it, but I could hear it. And, and, To me, it was a sign that God was still with me in this new place. It was reassuring that he is loyal, that he keeps his promises, that his love never fails. I believe that for some of you today, God is opening your heart this morning. You're beginning to feel a hope rising within you that that God's unfailing love is for you. You, Do you sense it? Some of you do, I think. You're wondering, does God really love me that way? Is Is God's love really unfailing and loyal to me in spite of what I've done and who I've been and where I've been? So if God is speaking to you, if you feel that curiosity rising up within you, don't, don't walk away. Say, yes, Lord. I'm all yours, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Transform me. I need you. There is a love like that for you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, it's really easy for us to assume that about at least half the time you're kind of mad at us because we have you know we're uncommitted we haven't lived right or you're disappointed in us or something and we haven't really grasped this Hesed love and so lord we pray that uh, today You will let it soak deep into our minds and our hearts and our lives. Lord, we've we've had a lot of excuses. We've we've to keep ourselves at arm's length, not trust this kind of love, but today we're willing to say yes. And to to open our hearts, our minds, our lives to you fully. So Lord, we're done with all the excuses and we just say, come on in. And so I would just like to say today, here this morning, if you are saying yes to Jesus in a brand new way today that you have never done before, Or you've been gone a long time and you're saying, oh, Lord, I'm ready to come back. I'm just going to ask if you would slip up your hand. Just let me pray for you. Thank you. Yes, number of you. Thank you. Oh, Lord, for those who have raised their hands and many others who are doing it just now, I pray, Lord, that you will give them a deep knowledge of your love, to know the heights depth and width that goes beyond measure the vast ocean of your love let them know Lord that you will carry them that you will walk with them that you will not give up on them we pray in Jesus name Amen all right now I've got a little bit more In Psalm 33, we looked at the first five verses, and then there's kind of a longer middle section that talks about all the ways you can see and experience God's unfailing love in the world. And then the last three verses are an expression of putting our hope and our trust in God. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, and you can either read it from your Bible or from the screen Uh, And we're going to say these last three verses together. Here it is. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen. Amen.